0: Well, good evening. We're in James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6 as we continue our journey through the book of James. Trust you're feeling well. Turn with me, if you're able, to James and chapter 5. In the last weeks we've been looking at James addressing the issue of worldliness and James 4 11, that's chapter 4 verse 11, all the way through to James 5 6. He's dealing with this subject of worldliness and last time we saw that James was addressing this, this subject of worldliness in the hearts of professing believers and how it can get us in two ways. And the first is in negative, harmful, hurtful, unkind speech of our brothers and sisters and of neighbours. So this hurtful and negative and harmful speech. And on the other is on presumptuous speech. The third area of this incipient worldliness is chapter five, verses one to six. It's a wrong view and a wrong use of wealth, which James says our use of wealth can show us worldliness or whether we're being faithful to our Christian calling. So go ahead and turn with me to chapter five and we'll read the first six verses together. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. James's words are to be blunt. Blunt. So who is James speaking to? Is this how you would expect a Christian minister to address his congregation? That he assumes are brothers and sisters in Christ. Because after all, over and over in his book, he refers to us as brethren. So let's look at this together. The first point is the use of money. For and And remember that James is addressing professing believers. So for professing believers, your use of money reveals the presence of worldliness in your heart. It can reveal the presence of worldliness in your heart. James is teaching us that the use of wealth is an important spiritual indicator. Verse one, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Because in this verse, James gives a call to the rich to consider the final judgment to come and to tremble in light of the final judgment. And James is just simply reminding us the use of money can reveal the evidence, the presence of worldliness in your heart. Now, there's considerable debate among commentators as to whom these comments are directed to. Is James speaking to wealthy believers in the congregation or is he speaking about wealthy unbelievers, Jews and Gentiles in and around the congregation? And there are some good things to argue, both pro and con. For instance, James will point out the fact that James frequently uses the word brethren when speaking to believers. And in verses 1 to 6, then this word brethren isn't used. On the other hand, the use of the phrase come now, which it introduces the section, was also used with with to believers in chapter 4. So you could read it both ways. You could say, well, if he was addressing believers, he would have said so. And then, well, and if that is, to, then why would he use come now, which is an expression of almost like endearment to those that he considers brethren. So there are reasons to read it both ways. But the bottom line is this. Whoever you think James is is directly speaking to, he is clearly intending it to be applied to believers. Because at the very least, James's words are designed to create a mindset, to make us think, to make believers think about wealth. So let's assume that James is speaking about wealthy unbelievers the fact he's writing something directed to wealthy unbelievers in a book to believers tells us that he wants believers to hear and to think about what he is saying so that that impact that impacts the believers mindset with the way that they deal with their own material wealth it's very easy to excuse yourself about as not being among the rich well then think about it historically globally And personally, historically, it's simply an irrefutable fact. We live in a wealthy nation. We are very rich by comparison. That's historically. Think globally. Amongst believers who live on this planet right now, we are without question wealthy. We need to take account of what we have personally as well. Thirdly, think of what you have, you have, think of what I have in comparison to my Parents or your grandparents, your great grandparents. James's words aren't intended to be brushed off as applying to somebody else. They are for us. James uses jolting language. He calls on the rich to lament their impending doom because of their misuse of wealth. And then by implication, he clearly calls them to repent. He wants us to consider our use of wealth in light of God's gaze on that use of wealth he wants to consider our use of wealth in light of the judgment that is to come the final day Richard Baxter asked many years ago this question ask yourselves often how you shall wish at death and judgment your estates had been spent and use them accordingly now Why should not a man of reason do that which he knows beforehand he will vehemently wish he had done? Look at the use of wealth in light of that final judgment, in light of God's gaze, in light of God's evaluation, not your evaluation, but God's, and live accordingly. And in the background of James's directive, hear the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. And God's judgment on how those men use their resources. So James is reminding us that our use of money reveals something about the spirituality or the worldliness of our hearts. Our attitude toward and our use of money and things is an indicator of our Christianity or our worldliness. And I suspect for many professing believers, it is an indication of both. In other words, it is an indication we have a spiritual desire to love the Lord and to follow the Lord. But on the other hand, we see a lot of the world in our heart. We are rich and that brings challenges. Dale Ralph Davis, who's one of my favorite Old Testament commentators, says every time he takes out the rubbish twice a week, in his case, he's reminded of the bounty of God to him. In other words, God has given him so much that twice a week he has to throw some things out. James is saying that our attitude toward and our use of money and things is an indicator of Christianity and worldliness. Do you view yourself as the rich recipient of God's bounty? And then do you use your money and your things in light of that? You find that counsel all the way Through the Bible, you see it in Moses, you see it in the Proverbs, you see it in the teachings of our Lord Jesus, you see it in the rest of the New Testament. And over and over, the Bible says the way that you use your money is an index of who you really are. Secondly, the general presence of extras may reveal wealth, worldliness. In verses two and three, is his first area, a specific condemnation of the hoarding of things and wealth. Your inventory and the general presence of extras may reveal something about wealth worldliness in your life. It's fairly quite stark language, isn't it? Verse two Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and you and will eat your flesh like fire. All of these are signs of hoarding wealth. A person has so much they don't even get around to using what they have. And the hoarding of wealth is a sin in three ways. It's an improper use of wealth. It's finding satisfaction in things as opposed to God. And it shows no awareness of God's scrutiny and the final judgment. If our wealth use is self-use and often disuse, then we're not Expressing a kingdom use of wealth. Thirdly, a, a lack of fair treatment of employees may indicate world wealth worldliness. Bit of tongue-tied there. Wealth worldliness. Verse four: Behold, the wages of the labourers, um, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the lord of hosts. A lack of fair treatment of employees can indicate a wealth worldliness. The image here, the picture, is of wealthy landowners who are taking advantage of workers in the fields. And the accusation is of dishonesty and dishonorable dealings with those who aren't in a position to buy with the wealth and the influence of the landowner. And it's a lack of appropriate concern for the workers and the laborers and a desire for one's own self advancement that leads the person to withhold wages to the labourers who have worked in the harvest. And such elements in our own individual and corporate ethics reveal a deep-seated worldliness that God says he sees and judges. Now, I suspect that we could... I hope your eyes aren't glazing over, but it could be that there are relatively few of us who actively practice this kind of wealth, worldliness, or even have... Maybe even have employees to be able to behave or not behave like this. But let me ask you this. Isn't the biggest problem here in the area of the sin of omission? Of not thinking about those who work for us or even with us. Of not caring for people adequately. In this case, labourers. Maybe people who, who we employ to do work for us. Cleaners. Maybe gardeners or people who who do building works for us are we concerned for those who are less privileged than us fourthly your self-indulgence may reveal wealth worldliness in verse five james specifically condemns selfish extravagance in our use of wealth self-indulgence reveals wealth worldliness james has really start meddling now hasn't he verse five you have Lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. He's attacking extravagant comfort and the softness of luxury. The point is that it's a life without any self-denial. And any general pattern of the use of our wealth that is only self-focused and pleasing of self is worldly and sinful. There has to be self-denial. We need to ask Questions like, what have we gone without to support the work of the church or the spread of the gospel or missions care for poor believers? What, not what have we given? No, 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 but what have we given up? What have we denied ourselves? If our spending and our Christian giving doesn't have a component of self denial, then it is worldly and sinful. And that's especially the case in light of the greatness of the needs of the world. The more you have, the harder it is to deny yourself in that way. Five, your use of or desire for wealth in such a way that hurts others reveals wealth worldliness. James mentions in verse six, you are condemned, you have murdered the righteous person, he does not resist you. A specific condemnation of the use of wealth in such a way that harms others. The language is very strong. It speaks of the betrayal of a willing victim. And you notice how stories from Jesus' life and parables of the Lord Jesus are behind almost all of James's illustrations here. This one is from Judas betraying Jesus for money. Jude, Judas was greedy. He put to death a righteous man because of his love of money. And James is speaking in general here about taking advantage of someone who doesn't resist, they'll fight back, perhaps because they can't. James is condemning this kind of grasp for, the grasping for the use of wealth. But notice in James's statements there is no condemnation of wealth. There's no this is this isn't class warfare. There's been enjoined urging poorer Christians to resent wealthier Christians. But in each case it's a condemnation of how Wealth is used. See, wealth in itself isn't sin. Sin comes in three ways. How did we get the wealth? Did we get the wealth at the expense of somebody else? Secondly, in our heart attitude towards that wealth, do we love the gift more than the giver? Do we love that wealth, that worldly wealth, too much rather than loving God and fearing God above all else? And thirdly, in our use of wealth. So therefore, the giving of a significant proportion of our wealth for the cause of King Jesus, a giving of a significant proportion of our wealth for the aid of those in need, a moderate and modest self-use of wealth are conducive to our resisting sin in these areas. Now, James has had strong words, not just about our stewardship to the church, but about the stewardship of everything that we have. May God give us grace to respond his message with generosity wisdom prudence and above all for the glory of god and for the eternal good for our eternal goods may the lord bless the word amen